Hey, don't be an idiot. Be responsible. to the first episode of Beer Quest. Beer Quest is a podcast dedicated to all the uh, craft brewing fans out there, all the craft beer lovers. Um, so I thought it was a good idea to just go to a brewery to brewery and just have a conversation with the owners, uh, brewmasters, managers, or what have you, and, and just talk about stuff. I mean, talk about the culture behind beer, talk about, uh, I don't know, everything. I, the reason why they brew and, and all these other questions that maybe a lot of people have but aren't able to you know approach the brewmasters or the owners of the uh, breweries that are showing up around the city uh, and you listen to the podcast and you can get that information from there so um, and about a year ago I was biking down Michigan Avenue I live in South Loop Chicago and uh, I passed the uh, this place it was on 1454 South Michigan and I saw a sign in the window that said, Vice District Brewery coming soon. And I was pretty excited because uh, this neighborhood, for those who live in Chicago, uh, I know a lot of people will be listening to this wherever they not be living in Chicago, but the neighborhood I live in has changed drastically from the past 10 years to like now. I mean, 10 years ago, there wasn't any uh, luxury lofts and condos and restaurants and and so now there's a lot of those things around here. And when I saw the brewery, I was like, oh, wow, that's even cool. I mean, it makes the neighborhood, the neighborhood even more cool. And, and the sense about breweries is, is that it's not a local bar where people go and uh, get drunk and watch sports and scream at each other and get into fights and stuff. Uh, a local brewery is basically a place where people meet and talk and have conversations about life and about culture and uh, enjoy really good beer. So uh, today, uh, first episode of Beer Quest, I'm at Vice District Brewery on 1454 South Michigan in Chicago. And this place is super awesome. I'm here with Quentin and Curtis, who you guys are the owners, right? That's right. That is okay, and a friend of ours as well, uh, Kim Fox, who's sitting in uh, with us to have a little chat with us. So. Um, Either one of you can ask answer the question. Where did it all begin? I guess I'll, jump, I'll jump in initially. Forty uh, Fifth and Okawa, we're neighbors. Okay. We literally live across the street from each other, and uh, and decided to start home brewing. And so um, that's that's really where it started. Just in his basement and my basement, going back and forth across the street with uh, 
okay batches of beer to oh, yeah. fairly decent batches of beer. And then ultimately, I think we had a couple good batches of beer as well. So what made you, like, say, I don't know, because, like, what made you, like, start brewing? Like, was it, like, you, you enjoy really good beer, obviously, and then you say, well, I don't know, I, I, I can make some beer. I mean, or it seems like, oh, I, oh, I want to try to make some beer or see what it, looks, what it tastes like or something. Probably a combination of all those things. Right. Um, and on top of that, we're both fairly maybe frugal or cheap. So we <laughs> figured, you know, we're drinking a lot of beer, we're having a good time, but maybe we should make some at home. And um, for me at the time, my wife was uh, pregnant with my uh, my daughter, and so I knew I was going to be home anyway a lot <laughs> more. And so uh, I figured I'd start homebrewing and kind of see where things went from there. Okay, cool. So how did you get into it? Yeah, it's, it's pretty much the same concept. Um, we thought, at least I thought, that I could save myself money um, by making my own IPAs and quarters and stouts. And when I started looking at how much the ingredients cost, and it's just a matter of me putting in some time, um, it was a no-brainer. And um, once you make a couple of batches that you're like, I can actually drink this, <laughs> you know, yeah. and uh, I'm not having to pour this down the drain, then it, it just became an obsession. And we, I think, um, I don't think either of us realized how much we would enjoy, um, not only this, the, the finished product, but the actual formulation of like, us coming together and talking about how we want to create a, uh, um, a certain recipe and right. what we were looking for with the style and then doing our research and researching grains and researching yeast and researching right. um, hops to try to get a certain taste profile out and then when you you know you put that time in researching a recipe you're picking out your ingredients and then you take the time to actually brew it and then get all your 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 numbers right, you know. Right. There's certain things we're, we're shooting for when we, we brew, and um, you hope the fermentation goes well. But you really don't know for about you know three to four weeks afterwards. You know, did this turn out the way you want it? Right. And um, when it does, when it does all come together, it's it's, it's a good feeling. I mean, right. You start you start becoming addicted to that process of um, creating something. I think is what it boils down to. Um, and from that, it really turned to an obsession. I think um, both of us are creative, um, very, very creative in our, um, in our own respective fields of what we do right. professionally. Um, but then to have an outlet where you can just um, throw more expression right. into who you are um, or what, what you want something to be like. Um, I think how this just turns to the point where now we're we're brewing beer for um, other people to share versus just in our basements. Yeah, because like, I, I mean, I, I like beer, so basically I'm an IPA fan. I'm pretty sure like a lot of people say the same thing, and it's like there's certain IPAs I like that taste a certain way, and I'm like that's the way a beer should taste, in my opinion, you know. And then like I go, I, I've been to like a lot of stores and they like. I asked them, oh, what's good? And they said, well, this is really good. Uh, you should try this. The flavors are, you know, they can describe it. And I'm like, wow, it sounds good. Then I get home, I try it, and I'm like, wait a minute, this is not, it's not even what I was talking about, you know. Um, but then it's cool to actually, like, you guys create your beer, and it's basically like saying, I think a beer should taste like this. And then to actually, because I'm pretty sure, like, the first couple of times you guys did it, it wasn't like <laughs> you thought it was going to be. Uh, it's, it's plenty of times where you, 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 you have in your mind, this is what I think it's going to turn out to be like. Right. And then sometimes it's been off the mark. And it's been times when Curtis has brewed a beer that he didn't like. And I thought it was 
fantastic. Right. And I'm like, no, this is great. You know, let's 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 drink this. Like, give it a while. Let it let's, yeah. let it grow on you and see how it does. And I think it's been vice versa. There's been times I wasn't really keen on the way a batch turned out just because in my mind I was expecting it to be a certain way I was wanting it to turn out a certain way but when you're home brewing you don't control all the variables right so those slight changes in temperature room temperature can change how the taste is going to turn out um, because of the yeast strain that you use and there's just so many different variables that it's hard to reproduce that um, that process consistently with right. the home brewing. So, so you have to you guys like write everything down that you're gonna be like, okay, I put this strand of yeast, uh, boiled it for like 90 minutes, and then I took it out and and, and I mean, because yeah. I guess if you very detailed notes so that you, if you if you either mess up or if it turns out to be a really good recipe, you try to you can try to turn around and reproduce. Try it to again. reproduce it. I can Absolutely. imagine you like make the the greatest beer ever, and you're like, oh, I didn't write it down. <laughs> Yeah, we, we've had the greatest. We've had some really good beers that, but some, like just things happened during the brewing process that was just not normal, and it was like either I, I had a troubleshoot or I, I, I got something, my mash got stuck and I couldn't I couldn't drain and I had to do some different things or it sat in the in the um you know in the mash in the mash longer than what I anticipated or okay. the boil was too vigorous, and it's like man I was supposed to get eight gallons and I got six gallons. So instead of getting a 7% Blondel, we got a 9% Blondel because it's super concentrated. Oh, wow. You know, and then we're like, well, how do we produce this again? Like, right. how do we get a, a over vigorous boil and super evaporated condensed wort right. again? It's like, uh, so it's just one of those things like with beer, it's like you just, you can just do what you, try to control as much as you can, but you know, really, nature does the rest. You know, as you add the, the yeast and a lot of ingredients, and you just hope it turns out. Right, and I'm pretty sure, like once you get it, once you start getting more experience, you you basically know what to do. Well, absolutely. It's like cooking. Like when I, I love cooking, and when I first started cooking, I mean, it was probably the worst thing I've ever had. But once I started like learning and learning, now I can look in the refrigerator, and uh, I don't know if you guys have seen that show, Chopped on, on Food Channel. I love doing that in my house. Like I go, okay, there's a box of chocolates, uh, you know, and this, and I grab it and try to make something out of it. So I'm guessing, you know, once you guys get that experience, you're like, oh, well, I can make yeah, this beer. You're absolutely you know? right. And it's like it's like we're cooking. Once you get a base recipe down, you right. can start deciding how do I want to, how do I want to, you know, just trick this out. Uh, what, what would make this a little better? And I'm going to add this ingredient, a little bit of this, or uh, uh, take a little less of this to put your own spin on it. And, and that's really what brewing is today, nowadays. I mean, you have basic styles. I mean, you have stouts, you have quarters, and I mean, you can go and look at your, you know, your, your style guidelines. But the ultimate, you know, differences in, in 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 the way the outcome comes in is just that individual brewer's perspective on, hey, I want to add this hop combination because I want it to be a little bit more spicy, or right. I want to add this because I want it to be more grassy. You know, I want a really piney IPA versus a really citrusy IPA. Okay. And it's just your own interpretation of what you want to present. And sometimes it comes off really good, and then the other times it's like, ah, it's mediocre. And, right. um, and then once you have a really good one, uh, the key is trying to reproduce it. Yeah. And, and that's, the, that's the challenge of any brewery in vendor production or home brewer or microbrewery. I didn't want to lose this thought, but to your point about um, what you do in the kitchen, it's ironic. I mean, there's a pillar on your flight, which is called Kitchen Sink Number Two, and it's our 
our uh, attempted sustainability and creativity, quite frankly, where we just look and see what grain we still have left over in-house, some specialty grains and things like that, and we just throw a recipe together on the spot. Oh, so it's cool. not something we brewed at home and we, you know, we say it's tried and true. We throw it together on the spot and we brew it and see what happens. So, okay. Cool. So, uh, so now you guys have been brewing in your house and you got things, you know, how hard was it to, like, start a business you know, a brewing business now. Now, because at first it was like for fun. We're hanging out. Everybody's chilling. You know, come by, watch the fight. Hey, we made some beer. Everybody's enjoying it. Now, you got a neighborhood. Now you got people from other neighborhoods coming down. You know, now you got people international. I mean, like a few minutes ago, there were some people from Canada sitting across from the table, and they try your beer, and they're like, "Wow." I mean, how do you feel about? Like, how hard was it to start that, or? Were you reluctant to say, I don't want to do it maybe because we're going to fail or, or you know? Or. No, you know, I don't think there was ever any, any reluctance um, as to whether we would fail. I think the, the biggest thing was just making sure that whatever we did was very representative of us. Right. Right. And so, um, because we haven't failed individually. Right. So if we kind of stay true to ourselves, I don't really think that we, that we would fail. But it's a cool feeling. I mean, for us... You know, um, it's most important for us to be able to, A, keep the lights on, right? Make sure our staff is paid. And then beyond that, everything else is a bonus. We don't want to go out of business, right. but we really want to bring people, we want to bring beer to people, and we want it to feel like our basement. This is what we were doing at home anyway. Right. Um, so as far as, you know, how difficult it was to get started, you know, putting together a business plan, raising money, you know, going to the banks and things like that. It's not the easiest thing to do, but it's, sure. a very, it's a very worthwhile thing to do. And it's not yeah. difficult in the sense that, um, it's difficult in the sense that banks lose documents. So the same thing that you gave them two weeks ago, you give it to them again. I mean, it's more of a headache in certain regards right. to get that type of administrative things done, but it's not difficult. If you can, if you can convince somebody, you know, as to what you're trying to do and why you're passionate about it and they believe in you, then raising the money, whether it's on the equity side or debt side, is not terribly difficult to do. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was as difficult for us <laughs> um, because Curtis is just smart as hell, but I think the process within itself is, is difficult. Um, you, it takes a lot of patience. I would say this. Yeah. Um, neither of us had industry experience. He's a very successful and accomplished attorney. Um, I've been in healthcare for 18 years um, and um, worked in, in treating patients and now managing uh, multiple clinics. But that doesn't matter when you are applying for, you know, funds um, for an industry that you have no experience in. Right. So um, I think one of the most challenging parts uh, I mean, the business plan was solid. We knew what we wanted to accomplish. We knew what we wanted the brewery to be and what we wanted to convey as far as the tap room right. and the vibe we wanted. And that was easy to convey to investors. But to try to get a lender to believe that you can pull this off. So we ran through a number <laughs> of investors and would provide documents over and over and over again only for it to get to a certain level when someone's like, um, no, this probably's not gonna work. They don't have enough experience in the industry. Right. So, you know, it boiled down to us um, having to, you know, guarantee our lo the loan. 
Right. Um, you know, so we both still work full-time jobs, which, you know, uh, running a full-time job and running a startup business, um, it's very challenging. Um, and I think a lot of individuals who are coming into the brewing industry are, are you know, they're finding themselves in the same positions. I, I run across a lot of people who are still trying to maintain and float, you know, both a job that's actually paying the bills right. and then trying to support a business for themselves that will hopefully one day be able to sustain themselves. And that's yeah. just the American dream, you know. Yeah, that's I mean, just, you know. I'm a, uh, a comedian and an actor, and, and I have my day job, you know, and, and it's I can, I can understand what you're saying. I mean, probably not to the extent of you guys, but, you know, every day I got to go to work, and, it, and it, you know, 8.30 to 5.30, and then now when I get off at 8.30, now I got to go do comedy. You yeah. know, now I got to uh, go rehearse for this play, or now I got to, and you're up to like 11 o'clock at night, but you, but it's that passion that you have for it that drives you to continue on because you know that it's going to get to a point where that's going to sustain you, you know, and then and like, it's always that, that saying, when you do what you love, you never work another day in your life, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. And so when you're, you know, brewing or, or whatever you do, you know, I say just keep at it until absolutely. you get to... Uh, and we love this. We love coming into the tap room. We love seeing people have a great time. Um, I mean, this is what it's what it's all about. This is this is our downtime. What we right. did, we, we we spent so much time out just going to research different um, different bars and different tap rooms and just trying to you know really look at the vibe and see when we were deciding is something we can pull off and we were like, yeah, we can pull this off. Like right. I know we can pull this off and. Like you said, I don't think failure was an option for either one of us. I think we both knew one another well enough to to, to trust in ourselves that we were not going to let each other fail. And it doesn't mean that it wasn't difficult and we didn't argue along the way, but we knew, you know, um, ultimately that, yeah, failure was an option. You know, this was something that we had to convince other people. Right. You know, uh, we had to convince our spouses that, you know, this is something that's worthwhile. And so it's not just us. Right. Because uh, they were taking the sacrifice as well. Yeah. Uh, and so we didn't want to go through this process where we're away from home for long periods of time and, um, you know, taking, you know, savings and investing it in something and then to turn around and look at our wives and say, um, we sorry, we, we, we didn't, we didn't right. pull this off. So it's like, uh, it wasn't really an option. What's that, what's that, that play? Willie's gone. Where's yeah. the money? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a South Park episode. I was like, mm, poop, it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, I guess, I mean, I probably, this is probably going to get old uh, as a podcast keep going out. The name Vice, where did, where did that come from? So, at the, um, the turn of the century, this was a, uh, a real light district. Okay. And so, uh, you know, it's called the Vice District, it was called the Levy, it's called Satan's Mile. And so, um, this area right here, like, this like area Michigan right here. Avenue? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And so, um, you know, for us, we, we went through so many different names. And I remember saying, Q, we should do Vice District. And um, I narrowed it down to the three, either Satan's Mouth, the Levy, or Vice District. Yeah, I think Satan's Mouth. Satan's Mouth was a little... That was, was, that was little, went out real quick. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was a little much. It was a little much. So we were like, uh, Satan's Mouth, 203 feet away from a church. Right. Yeah. Okay, that's out. Um, I didn't bring the levy to him because he relocated here um, after Katrina. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and, and the levies, us and levies, yeah, we. we <laughs> so, wow. kind of, kind of a sensitive subject there. Yeah. So, so it was, it was Vice District, and um, you know, it, if you know what, what Dearborn Station is on H Street, which is now Polk. Right. People used to, you know, hop off the train there and kind of 
make their way up and down the street. And they would, you know, there was prostitution and opium and, you know, all those different things. Um, and so we don't have any of those. We have beer. Right. <laughs> uh, but when I first told Q about the name, he was like, no, man, it's like, it's BD. You, you can't oh, right. sell beer without the name like BD. People are going to just right. think it's BD. And I'm like, ah, I, don't, I don't know. I think we can pull it off. And so um, that's where the name came from. I mean, we, we wanted to pay some homage to the neighborhood, yeah. a changing neighborhood. And, um, you know, we didn't want to be 14th in Michigan Brewing. Right. So, <laughs> that would be yeah. genius. And, and, and you made a point earlier where you were, you, you said like 10 years ago, this there were no luxury condos and, you know, you didn't have fine restaurants in this area. And you hit it right on the head. You know, when we started researching the neighborhoods that we wanted to open the, the brewery at, we were looking at either our, our own neighborhood, Kenwood, or here in the South Loop. Okay. And we knew we wanted to be south of Madison because we're two Southsiders. We, right. We, we, we both born and, and, and grew up in the South Side. And so I guess you guys are Sox fans? We're definitely Absolutely. Sox fans, okay. you know, yeah, um, and, and shout out to the Cubs. They had a great season, um, you know, uh, but Bali just does live with the Sox. Um, but, um, yeah, we, we, we wanted to just um, have something that definitely represented, you know, what, what Southsiders are. And then when we did the research on the neighborhood, and like you say, most people who are from this area haven't been here 10 years ago. Right. So they don't really know the history of this neighborhood. And Chicago is a city of neighborhoods. Yeah. You know, um, you know, you have Little Italy, you know, you have Greek Town, you know, Ukrainian Village, you know, um, Bronzeville, you right. know, um, and Lakeview. I mean just it's everything is known for having Logan Square, you know, just having right. its own culture and what is South Loop really known for? No one really knows because it was skid row for such a long period of time. Right. And through gentrification you have a lot of um, of newbies coming to the neighborhood, and I think it's 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 important to know where this this is a thriving part of the city. Of, I mean, a thriving part of the culture that built this city. Yeah, at I mean, the turn I, of the century. You know? Yeah, I'm loving it. I mean, because this neighborhood, like I said, ten years ago, was nothing. You know, it was a bunch yeah. of and it's old coming full circle. It's and, coming full circle again. Yeah. You know, the city's pushing it. Again. I used to go hang out in Wicker Park because you know it was, it was a cool neighborhood to hang out at. You know, and then now it's like. I can hang out in my own neighborhood. You know, I don't even have to like. That's what we were hoping for. <laughs> that's, the, that's what we were trying to create with with Vice District. That we wanted yeah. this to be a place where, when your friends come to town, you you say, "Hey, that's, come to my neighborhood. I'm gonna show you a place right. in my neighborhood." Yeah. It's, it's a new neighborhood. It's been one of the newest neighborhoods in the city. But come check out what's going on. Yeah. In, 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 you know the South Loop. Right. Cool. Cool. So I've I've, uh, I've noticed that. Like I was reading over you guys, I was on your website, and I, the names of the beers are, are <laughs> I mean, so like some of the names that I saw that, that I thought were pretty funny. Uh, okay, Loaded Dice, where did that come from? Actually, Curtis and I, we created a list. We have an ongoing list, and it's, we probably got about another like 25 names of beers that we just have to create the beer, but we got names. And when you have a, when you, when you go off a theme of a vice district and what was happening back at the turn of the century right. with all the gambling houses, with all, you know, you hear about the, le the legend of Mickey Finn and this is a real guy, you know, who was used right. to dope people up and he had guys who would, you know, take these, these new, these new greenhorns that come off the train. And right. you know they say, hey, you you knew you knew in town. Man, I got a drink that knock you off your feet. And he would give them a roofie. You know? <laughs> he would he would Mickey Finn them. You know, and they would 
pass out and, and so we just had all these different names that was like hey what what's something that's associated with um you know a little bit of the uh underworld you know um things that are, are just vices things that people are just you know temptation so pleasure right. trip habitual loaded dice um these were just different names that we we came up with and you know we shoot names back and forth and then some of them, some of the names, was just stuff that came up with, with staff. We say funny things every once in a while. Someone, so I'm guessing like Chronicles, Metro, Sexual, Chocolate Stone. <laughs> exactly. So that's, so that's one of those funny. Yeah. You know. Well, well, um, the Sexual Chocolate. I think everybody knows what that reference is from. Right from uh, the movie. Yeah, yeah. Come to America. Um, but the Metro part of it is just that uh, we we tend to get the coffee for the stout from uh, Metropolis up north. And Tony, oh, okay. And Tony, cool. and Tony's hey, shout really out guy. to Tony. Yeah, yeah he's a very very good guy. He's always looked out for us, and so um, that's where the Metro came from. But I mean, you know, it, it, we have names that are definitely uh, representative of the Vice District. But you know, one name you probably don't see in there now is Ariana Ardenes, and. Um, we brewed a beer for a young uh, girl who was two years old. She had a, um, a kidney transplant, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. And so uh, someone, one of our you know, customers came in here and said, hey, look, this guy works for me. He's a graphic designer. His uh, daughter had a transplant. There's an organization that paid for the transplant, um, but they don't pay for the care afterwards. Mm. So we went and found some Belgian yeast that was called Ardenes yeast. Her name was Ariana. We brewed Ariana Ardenes, and we donated, I think, like 25% of the sales from 15 barrels of beer to her. So, oh, wow. so yeah, so I mean, the point is that, you know, all these things are either representative of the Vice District itself or something very, very personal to us. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So now all these uh, names kind of make sense, you know. Uh, what about that's not my I Baxter. I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> that's not my Baxter. I read that. I was like, oh, wow. So actually that the name is, is goes back to last Christmas and we were uh, we were we were at Posing for our Christmas picture, which you'll find on the Facebook page, and um, one of our uh, our our service who's been around for since the beginning, um, beginning Antoine, and anyone that comes in here and sees him, looks like Abe Lincoln um, with a with a big bushy beard and no mustache and bald head. That's Antoine. But uh, at that time, um, the guy we had brewing for us at the time, he was complaining about. Uh, uh, actually, it was Antoine complaining about his back hurting, and I was brewing for the time. Started rubbing Antoine on his thigh, <laughs> and it's like, oh man, you just need a massage. And he's while rubbing Antoine on his thigh, and he's like, um, that's not my back, sir. And we we're posing <laughs> for this picture, and we just hear somebody that goes, uh, that's not my back, sir. And everybody's like, what's going on? And they started laughing. And we had our uh, our house. Um, one of our servers at the time, she would cry. She just write down everything funny that people said. Uh, and she was like, we have to call this beer. That's not my back. So I think it was one of the times we were shooting for a beer. We were shooting for one thing with a beer. Okay. And we were shooting for a double IPA. Uh, we didn't get the type of boil that we wanted. And it was just shy of a double IPA. So it's like, well, it's not quite a double IPA either. So yeah, that's not my back, sir. Right. <laughs> I thought the name was just crazy. And I think we all did. Um, but it was very popular. I mean, we went through that that batch very fast because people just like to order the name, and it actually turned out to be a good beer. But it was one of those oops, right? Oops beers that was like, you'll never have it again, perhaps. But that name may come back. Right. We'll see. So that's yeah. one of the what do you call those? The uh, one hit wonders or something one like hit, that. Wow. Yeah. One hit. One off. 
one off. That's definitely. Yeah. That's cool, though. So, uh, Kim is here. <laughs> we forgot about her sitting in the. Uh, Sitting in the, she she's a neighbor in the neighborhood, and, and you you frequent here. I do. So, uh, what is it that you like about Vice? You know, the first thing that attracted me to it one, I like beer, and it was really cool that just two door down, two doors down from me was a brewery. But walking by, I saw dogs in the brewery, and I thought, oh my gosh, they allow dogs. That is so cool because so many places do not. And so I came in one day with my dog, and everybody was just so cool and so laid back. And now, he every time we walk by here, this is exactly where he thinks we're going. <laughs> I mean, we can't go on a walk. We're actually going to Vice District Brewing. So um, it's just the feeling, and it, it's exactly what Curtis and Quentin were going for. I mean, I've only been in Chicago since uh, early April. Okay. And it's just, it's like my local, which is great. I right. mean, it's its cool to be new to a neighborhood and come into a place and it immediately becomes your cheers, right. you know, and, and they all knew me and my name before I ever knew <laughs> theirs. They, you know, I come in and they immediately ask me, do you want this particular style? Because right. it's what I normally order. So it's, it's just like home, which is really, really cool. Right. And it was funny. It's like uh, when I met you, it was like I came in to try out some beers, and I was like, "Let me, you know, go try out vice beers." And I sat down at a table, and then you came in and said, "Oh, can I sit here?" I'm like, or I think you were sitting there first. And yeah, I was no, like, opposite. You were sitting there, and I asked if I could sit, and you were like, yeah, "Absolutely," yeah. because one of the great things about the setup too is they have community tables. Yeah. So it's just a great place to meet new people and network. Right, and that's what I like about the breweries now. I mean, like these small breweries that are showing up is that. It's it's a it's like a family type of thing. It's like a you know everybody knows each other in this moment. You know even if yes. we never talk again. You know but in that moment that we were here, it felt like everybody knew who everybody was, and it was Absolutely. this big I don't know big Thanksgiving dinner. And it's what it's about. It makes the world a little smaller. And, yeah, and that's important I think in today's times. Um, there's so much that goes on. There's so much stimulus, and there's so many things that can kind of like just make you like just feel disconnected right with, with life that just being around others that sort of like it's they share the same views they share the same um, goals um, you know maybe have different opinions so that's okay right um, but we all we all have a lot more similarities than we have differences yeah and um, you know the whole communal um, setup was by design um, you know um, that's something that Curtis and I talked about and we, we, we really wanted to emphasize that in our business plan and he's smart enough to know that um, you know with him working um, you know within different circles that it's important to have the ability for people to come together right. you know one one of the ways that um, the biggest thing that that drew me to my business partner actually and, and those are breakfast that you know once a month and he just brings guys together that you know we come together to eat right um and it's it's, it's a good way to network but you know it makes the world a little smaller just yeah. for a period of time and you can look forward to that you yeah. know this is the, I mean, like it's, it's once a month but that could be something that's every series i can live forward to but it's, every, it's once a month and i think people come here 
we just want them to have that. Like, I come here, yeah. I just know I can get away from things and I can just connect with someone and have a great time and then go back to life wherever life is. Yeah, it's, just, it's like a, a pause in time for a second, you know, and just enjoy it. What I like about it, too, I mean, and this is what I like about craft beer, is that people seem to come together over it and females and males, like, like you would never think that you would sit there. Like I said with Kim, we were talking about the beer and we sit there talking about beer for, yeah. for a long time. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, not to say that we're alcoholics or anything like that, but it was like, you can't sit, before you, you wouldn't be able to sit with a girl and talk about beer. She'd be like, you know, that's stupid. That's ridiculous. It's calories. You know, yeah. I want a Miller Lite, <laughs> you know. Uh, but we were talking about the complexity of it, the taste, the aromas, and, 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 and this, the things about it. And plus, we started talking about other things. And she told me stories about her life, and I told her stories about my life. And I think that's what brings, that's what makes it cool. You know, it's not like, like I said earlier, a sports bar where you're yelling at the TV and guys getting drunk and, and getting into fights and stuff like that. And it's like. You know, it's, it's also a matter of access, I think, too, because, you know, we assume that. You know these conversations. You know, it wouldn't have happened, right? But the reality of it is, by having a, lo a local neighborhood spot, it just brings people together. Kim is like being longer than she's known you. Right. You've like been longer than you know Kim. Right. It just so happens that there's a spot that you guys end up at the same table, and and that's how it's, that's how it's meant to be. You know, the reality of it is, I tell people all the time. You know, I drink other things besides beer, but I've never had just a great conversation with somebody because I went to a bar and had like a Jack and Coke. Right. It just never happens. Yeah. I don't necessarily get in the bar and fight, but I don't necessarily have a good conversation either. But I've never gone anywhere from, I mean, anywhere that I've traveled and had a good craft beer, whether it's at a bar or at a brewery. Otherwise, I've not had a conversation with somebody about beer and learned something about them, their life. And I mean, that. That's what connects us all. I mean, good music and good beer, those two things, I mean, I, I think it just, you can, yeah. you can be in the middle of Bangladesh yeah. and know some good yeah. music when you hear it and, and, and know good beer when you taste <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's how, that's how kind of how the idea of this podcast uh, came up. I went to a you know, local brewery and I was just talking, you know, and uh, the guy showed me around and stuff and, and then we just started talking about, you know, stuff. You know, life and, and things like that, and, and, and over beer, you know. Absolutely. And, and I thought that was pretty cool, you know. So, I uh, let's, let's taste some beer. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so I, I think uh, we talked enough about stuff. So, so we have a flight, and, and uh, on that flight, what do we have? I guess we can like, I can taste it and like figure out. Sure. What? What is what? So the first one is, uh, is that Power Trip? Pleasure Trip. Pleasure Trip. So Pleasure Trip is actually um, one of our best-selling, actually it's our best-selling beer. It's a, um, it's a Blondale, um, and this was an original recipe of, of Curtis. Um, neither of our spouses drink beer. Okay. But his, his what? Wife, his wife actually <laughs> loves wine. Okay. So, you know, this is one of those times where we talked about being creative and trying to come up with a taste and profile. Well, he researched a hop variety um, it's called Nelson Savon that gives off um, these wine-like um, properties. It has, it has 
it's described as gooseberries, but it's definitely like a wine-like, and it's grown in it in the Savon region of um, New Zealand, where they grow Savon grapes. Okay. Um, and it gives this very floral um, aroma and and texture. And he brewed this um, this beer, and it turned out to be fabulous. And we originally called you called it the wine lager. I remember, and we 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 threw wine a party. Lager. We threw a we threw a party, and uh, uh, we were just dipping beers that we had just brewed up, and we were trying to just get, get fillers out to say, like, you know, people right. tell us this beer is good, but they're drinking our beer for free. You know, it's like this is France. It's like, right. man, this beer is great. You oh, know, yeah. like I got some beer in the basement. It's like, hey, yeah, this it's is free. Great, you yeah. know, but so we're like. Man, maybe let's try to see, you know, if, if this beer is really, you know, as good as we think it is. So we had a lot of friends come by, some who drink beer, and then a lot who do not drink beer because we wanted to see if if we could just, you know, make a gateway beer. Okay. But our first beer is called Pleasure Trip. It's, 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 it's this one right here, it's, right? Yes, it's our gateway beer. It's a Blondale. comes off it's very light, kind of crisp. Um, distinct floral aroma, and that's from the hops. Good. Yeah, that's that's the hops. Is is that very nice floral aroma, and it's an easy drinking beer. I think it's it's something that um, you know, if you come in here and you're like, I can't stand this beer, it's probably is as, as simple as the taste is going to get. It you yeah. know, I'll, I'll thank you for coming in and just say, hey, you know, uh, have a nice day, have a great, <laughs> great. Because if you don't like that beer, then it's like. It, May not get any better from there, but no, that's just like one of our easiest drinking. It is light beers, and yeah, it's a very light. It's an easy drinking beer, and like I said, it's like gateway beer. It's for people who are come in and say, "I'm not really familiar with craft beer. Right. What do you drink? Um, I like normally like uh, a, what do you have like as a Stella or something comparable to? And they always come up with a lager, right? Um, and when we say let's try, they say I don't like copy. I say we'll try to place a trip. And when they try it, they actually they can taste the flavor and what the complexity of a craft beer, you know, what craft beer is right. supposed to represent. But then it's not so overpowering that it turns them off. I mean, if you're the first time you're like, I'm not big into craft beer, but recommend a beer for me. I'm not gonna recommend IPA. It's like if you're a wine lover, right? You're like, I'm not big into wine. I'm not gonna recommend a Merlot, right? You know, I'm gonna go with something that I think is gonna be really light and easy drinking, and something that you can just, you know, right. enjoy. Then you can start like a Blanc de Blanc or something like that. Absolutely right. You, know? you start challenging your palate right. as time goes on. It's like anything else. So, so your opinion, uh, lagers? Could you consider this like? craft beer style uh, being that if you tried a lager that was like Heineken or something like that you know um, you know like, like I, I've had like some lagers I'm not much of a lager fan but I've had some lagers that I was like wow that doesn't taste like a lager that tastes like something that's you know Amazing. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I would I would answer your question very very simply by saying um, I understand exactly what you're saying, and if you want to know if um, you know lagers or craft beers, then try anything from Metropolitan. Okay. Anything from Metropolitan. Yeah. And they're they're right here in Chicago. Right, they're right here as well. Like lagers mean, are very very difficult to pull off, and a lot of people don't understand that. Like. Now, lagers dominate the, the macro beer market, but they're very hard to pull up consistently. And, um, you know, a lot of breweries, unfortunately, don't have, um, well, I say a lot of brew pubs, 
have a hard time serving lagers. We're, we ourselves, we like lagers, but mm-hmm. we don't have the, the luxury of to be able to tie up a tank long enough to make a lager. Okay. Um, because it's a time-consuming process. Um, but lagers are, to answer your original question, yes. I think lagers is definitely a craft beer style. I think it's something that um, um, it's, it, the, the fermentation process and the conditioning process, um, that's something I'm always intrigued with because you, you have to be patient and you have to right. hope things come out correct. Um, I think lagers um, can be very flavorful as well. Mm. Um, I do think that, you know, because, and, and this is why people get into craft beer now. People, craft just really represents, you know, something that's locally made. Right. It's, it's handmade. You know, a lot of times people think, well, because it's a, a big company that's done very well financially that it's not craft anymore. Um, and that's the difference of opinion. Yeah, I, um, I, yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, that's, that's kind of like a battle all the time. Like yeah, people talk about, I, I well, they get too big, they're yeah. not craft anymore. And it's like, well, if you if you created something that was really good, you would want everybody to have it, you know, or everybody to try it, you know. I think it would be silly just to keep yourself super small where only 20 people can try it, you know. Just to say that you did it. Right. right. There, there, was, <laughs> yeah. there was a day when Apple when Apple was considered to be like, mm, no. Like, it's like, it's second right. rate, you know. Um, and everyone was on IBM. Right. And, you know, you know, Apple was considered oh, well, the small guy, and then now Apple's running everything. So is now Apple not truly representative of like you know what leads the tech world? Um, right. Do you, you shun away from Apple because it's too big? And I, I, I don't think that's necessarily where you know we should be. I think what people strive for within just the craft beer is just they they strive for variation. Right. Um, they strive for um, a variety of choices to be able to choose, and that's where the the macro beer industry, that's where big beer um, kind of lost touch, right. because they had just settled on literally out of so many different varieties of flavors and, and complexities you can do with beer. Um, I mean, I'm not going to knock um, a major distributor or anything, or a major uh, beer manufacturer, but it's like you have either white beer or, you know, you know, beer that that's, they don't call it light, but it's still very watery. And they just right. say, drink it while it's blue, because, you know, it yeah. tells you it's cold enough so it doesn't taste bad when it starts to warm right, up. Yeah. Or, you know, I, so there's no, there's no complexity in the flavor. There's no variation. I, right. People that say I don't like beer, that's a challenge for us. Like, like, no, there's a beer I think out there for everyone. Yeah, um, there is so much a variation of styles with craft industry um, that I think there is something that you like to taste that a beer can represent. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so let's move on to the next one. It's called Relapse. Yeah. So relapses are um, house stout. Um, that's, that's what. That's that what you're drinking. Yeah. Yes. It's one of my favorites. I just had one, too. So there is, um, we use a lot of um, roasted barley um, in that recipe. Um, It's going to give you a lot of, um, um, like, burnt toast, um, coffee-like aromas. I smell the coffee. Um, There's there's no coffee in there. it's kind but of chocolatey. Is that, is that it's very chocolatey, um, and that just comes from the, from the roasted malts. Um, I don't think we have any chocolate malt. I think we actually we may do have some chocolate malt in that 
in that style because that's, that's our house style. Um, it comes across a little sweet on the, on the front end and then it just kind of just finishes a little dry. Right. I, I really like our, uh, our relapse. Um, that that beer is something that we're thinking about kind of keeping on a little bit more often yeah. than not, you know, and it's, it's really good. I mean, I like it. it like you can eat this with like chocolate cake or something. Yeah, that's you know. something. Like you throw a, a scoop of vanilla ice cream with that. You oh, know. that'd um, be cool. <laughs> and um, you know, we've served that we've served that beer on nitro, and it's given a little bit more body. Um, but that's definitely a a, a really good um, and this is easy drinking um, stout beer. And that's what's cool about the craft beers is that mm-hmm. before I started drinking craft beers, I used to drink wine. Yeah. And I kind of really got into it. I started like studying the regions, and I started studying the grapes and. Just out of fun, you know, not just to drink a bottle of wine and be like, ah, whatever. And then I discovered craft beer, and it's the same thing, but for beer, you know. And it's like, wow, who knew a beer can get this complex? And then so now you can basically pair it with food, you know. Before you would drink, I don't know, one of those big beers, and and and, and what you drink a billion of them at the beach or something yeah, like right. you didn't and drink them as cold as possible. Yeah, so you, don't taste so you won't taste <laughs> right. it. And then like, you didn't think about. Well, I can have this with my steak, or I can <laughs> exactly. have this with with my seafood, or, or you know, or I can have this with my dessert, you know, which you can do with wine, but you you never thought about that with beer, you know, Absolutely. and so that's what's pretty cool about it yeah. as well. Yeah, I think that's new to American culture because studying beer, food pairings have been tied to beer in Europe for years. I oh, mean, yeah? the history of beer here. I think we're just discovering that it's a better pairing with food than wine because it's a palate cleanser. Mm. And it's more sessionable than wine. Okay. So the great thing about the craft beers that I like about pairing with foods is that depending on the style, you can pair them from everything from your starter to the dessert, just like relapse. And you were saying that would be really good with the chocolate cake. Right. But I'm also big into beer floats, too. I love beer and ice cream. i got to yeah. try that. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. have a actually... Um, um, a recipe for um, a stout, it's, and it's, it's a milk stout, and it's a high gravity milk stout, and it's, it's body is so full that literally, like, I mean, ice cream will float in it, and it's oh wow, it's, it's a great dessert beer, it really is. And, but and it's, it's but very it comes in at nine and a half percent, so oh, it needs yeah, to be yeah. dessert because you're yeah. not gonna you're not gonna drink it with dinner. It's right. literally like should be like the nightcap. It's very representative of Chicago, too, because the name is Clout. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> nice. There you go. The, the, the beer you have now, the uh, the Everly, ironically, is a, um, a nod to the Everly Sisters. It's called Everly what? Uh, Everly. Okay. But it's a nod to the Everly Sisters who ran the most uh, successful brothel in the Vice District. Oh, really? Probably in Chicago history, quite honestly. Yeah. African-American, I'm taking? Or? No. No, no, no. <laughs> so they're... Um, they're, they're their aunt, I believe, used to sign every letter Everly Yours. Oh, and wow. So their last name was not actually Everly, but they just kind of changed it to the Everly Sisters when they came here. And they had a, I think, if I'm not mistaken, it was like a $50 minimum to walk in the door. Wow. But we're talking about at the turn of the century. Like so that did not include the activities. 1899 through like 1908. Wow. Um, so it's like it's like two grand right now just to get in. That doesn't include in. your extracurricular activities with your girl of choice. <laughs> right. But they were actually two of them, like the two most successful businesswomen um, in East Chicago. We actually have that that brothel on this photo behind you that's covering this television. Um, oh, right. And that location was 21st in um, Dearborn, okay. which 
if anyone's familiar with um, South Loop Reggie's, yeah. it's literally across the street from where like South Loop Reggie's um, is located. Um, wow. There are some condos there right now. They're yeah. like circular concrete condos. Yeah. It's in that in, it's in that area. That's what's amazing about the city is that, like my mom comes here to visit me when I when I uh, run the triathlons every every year, and. Uh, one year we was just walking around the city and looking at stuff that that looking at the oldest buildings that were still around and and the thing is like you see these pictures of these old sceneries that is like wow like streetcars used to run through yeah, the city absolutely, i mean absolutely everything has changed like i saw i think b103 which is one of a local radio station in chicago uh had herb kent's birthday or something like that i don't know and then they they posted on facebook a bunch of pictures of old Chicago and uh, and I think there's some other pictures of Herb Kent or something but, but there's like a bunch of pictures of old Chicago but I mean like like 19 whatever early 1900s and, and and even in the 70s I mean Lakeshore Drive was different you absolutely. know absolutely all these places were were, were different even and, in the 90s I mean, yeah. like the city has changed I and mean I think, the city's growing it's, yeah it's, it's growing it's changing a lot and then somebody who comes here now We've never known that 14th of Michigan, there was a little small rise building, maybe 10 stories, and there was a bar there. You know, yeah. now it's gone. You know, they wouldn't know that it was a circuit court right across the street. Yeah, that's true. And yeah. now it's a condo. You yeah. know, and, and, and so it's all yeah. like to them, it's it. It probably was always there. Mm. You know, but if you go back 15, 20, 30 Absolutely. years ago, everything looks different. You know, and like and then. Thing is, like when those things are knocked down, they like erased from history. Yep. You know, yeah. unless there's a yeah. pictures of it or documentation yeah. of yeah. it. Well, this is a landmark yeah, building. Yeah. This is why it that. wasn't knocked down. So the condo building next door actually built the garage around the back of this building. Uh, but this building was the uh, first Buick showroom in Chicago. So at a time when there was like one car right. for the showroom, and, and the parts and supplies was upstairs. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So if you That's go on the outside of our building, you'll see it's stamped Buick. It's Buick. Oh, yeah. So, oh, that's being a being a landmark makes it very difficult. <laughs> we talk about how difficult was it? Being a landmark makes it very difficult to try to get things done as far as going through the zoning process. Right. And it took us. You can't even change things unless they. No, like, you can't change anything on the on the facade. It took us a year to get a signage approved. Wow. Um, and that's because this is a tedious process. I mean, you right. have to go through. Um, the alderman has to write out. I mean, approve um, for you to have a sign, and then. It goes to the Department of um, Zoning, and they have to get approval from the Department of, um, of Landmarks. Right. And then once that happens, it has to go to front of City Council okay. to get voted on to approve your sign. And if it doesn't fit within a certain thing that they wanted, you have to go back to the drawing board. It doesn't even make it through Landmarks. So, wow. um, you know, but, but the fact that this building is a landmark, and it, it was... This building was around at the turn of the century. That right. was one of the reasons why we we called this, you know, this this location Vice District because right. this had this was this was here for a long time and it's seen a lot of changes in yeah. the city. And people come here and they ask us all the time, "What did this used to be before you guys had this?" And it was empty for years. Right. And it's just a part of like, you know, people love the space, but this is just a part of Chicago. It's like. You know, you would have walked past this and not known anything about this. You know, you've been walking past this for years, and not even yeah. realized it was here. But you know, I remember as a kid, um, 
walking on, like I used to come here. So I, I'm from Chicago, but I grew up in Puerto Rico. And uh, I would come here on vacation, you know, in the summertime and hang out with my dad or hang out with, with you know, grandparents or whatever. And uh, I remember walking up State Street or maybe, no, Wabash, I think it was. And they were like strip joints oh, used to be there. That's crazy. You know, and these, like these little peep show places that used to be there. Because like on Roosevelt and uh, State, it used to be a police station there as well. Yeah. So these are things that, I mean, my recollection, you know, and that's just my lifetime, that are not there anymore. And, and the neighborhood changed and stuff like that. And, and, and so it's like a bunch of history that goes with the people yeah. or unless it's documented somewhere you know you know but i mean let's yeah it's funny because it's like so that that beer the everly it's, it's an english style um it's an english um extra special bitter and it's, it's essentially an english pale ale they, they call it special bitter it's not overly bitter it's actually tends to be sweet right um in its profile but it's brewed with noble hops the noble hops are traditional style hops that's been around from the beginning very um Classic style, Spuggles, East Kent, um, because um, then the Everly was associated with people who were of really more uh, affluent um, uh, finances and, okay. and lifestyles. <laughs> right. Before the people honestly go into a brothel at the turn of the century, right? Um, and we used Noble Hops. Uh, we thought the name was fitting, but it's actually one of um, it's a style that people are really unfamiliar with. And um, they tend to enjoy when they, when they try it. So you said it was an English pale ale? Yes. Okay. What's the difference between an English pale ale and an Indian pale ale? Um, well, an Indian pale ale, it, it was originally designed... I mean, this hop- is for the people who are listening. No, actually, <laughs> Not that I don't so, know. so hops, hops, are, hops are a preservative. Right. Um, but they also used a bitter beer. Um, when they would... When, they would sell um, in the early days, and, and, and selling was your, your, your mass transportation, you know, a, a primary way for transportation. And they would sell to India to do trade. Um, they would brew a beer that would last them because at that, you know, at that time, water was unsanitary. Water right. would get you sick, just like today. You get, you know, botulism, dysentery for water. That's what I so, about the beer saved the world back in the It actually did. I mean, yeah. we talked about the, the, you know, Plymouth Rock and the Pilgrims had to stop because they were low on provisions. Right. Uh, they were low on beer. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> they didn't have anything to drink, you know, right. and so, um, and you drank beer. So, they wanted a beer that was going to last. It took them. It took them a few months to get to from from Britain to, you know, to sell to India. Okay. And um, so they wanted um, they wanted to to have an ale that would survive the trip. Um, so they would come up with these um, really bitter bitter ales that essentially the hops was a preservative when they kept the beer from going bad and they would call it the india pale ale because it was the beers they would brew the ales they would brew for the trips to india okay. um english pale ale tends to be um in, in today's terms um an ale that is a little less bitter um it has a little bit more of a, of a malt or more of a, a flavor profile right um more of a um, earthy and, and and grassy tones Whereas um, your American um, pale ales and your Indian, uh, your India pale ales or uh, India pale ales, IPAs, American style IPAs, 
tend to be very citrusy, okay. um, very hop forward, um, and it's an acquired taste. And those who love hops, you love your hops. You know what you want, you right. know. Um, and then, um, you know, unless you're a hop head, it's hard to explain. But once you get that taste, you're like, oh, I just got to have this. I just want to taste yeah. something really bitter and pronounced in my mouth. But um, an English Pale Ale is, is, is a more of a, a, a milder, a tamer version of that same right. taste profile. All right. So let's go on to the next one because we're running out of time. But okay. uh, let's see. Uh, next one is Visual Su- Usual Suspects, which Usual is suspects. one of my favorite movies. <laughs> so it's a... Um, it's a steam beer. We actually brewed that. Uh, it's a steam beer. It's actually a beer we brewed in uh, recognition of the bear season. Okay. Figuring that the bears would be usual suspects. <laughs> and uh, there they are. There yeah. they are. <laughs> I would not make the playoffs. No, yeah, predictable no, suspect, I would right. say. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, but very, very similar profile to the Everly to me, quite honestly. Um, uh, a lot of malt in there. Um, I was gonna say it's, it's sweet. I, I get a little caramel in there. There's like a yeah. I was gonna say like some sweetness in there. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a harvest there. Uh, essentially, what it is, it was something that was going to represent. You want to have hints of um, caramel, some hints of honey. Um, yeah. And it's our representation of a harvest ale. You know, a lot of people do um, Oktoberfest or Mars and beers. Right. Um, which is a lager. You know, and it's a um, you know it's a it's an amber lager. For uh, Oktoberfest, we don't have the luxury to to um, to unfortunately let our beer sit in, in tanks that long. Right. Um, being in the neighborhood, one thing that we've been very fortunate of, the South Loop has been very supportive of, of Vice Teacher coming in. Like you say, you saw the signs early. Um, we have a hard time keeping and maintaining our beer right. in tanks, so we don't have the luxury to turn beer over a uh, whole beer for. Um, um, 30 days where we can serve it. Uh, we turned our beer over in about two and a half, three weeks. Oh, wow. Um, so we did a steam beer, which is a, a lager style that's fermented at, at ale temperatures. So um, everything you make here, I mean, to cut you off, but everything everything you make is here, made here, right? Yeah, it's or made in our brewery. So yeah. I see the tanks. I mean, I guess I'll take pictures and, and put it on the website so people can see, but uh, that's pretty sweet. I mean, well, yeah, it's sweet. We have um, we have 16 taps. Um, we have four fermenters, so it comes challenging. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we we'll release a beer and uh, and uh, sometimes we release a new beer and it goes very very quickly or much faster than we and anticipated it going. Which is, right. you know, it's a good problem to have, but it's a problem nonetheless when you know people come in and they want their favorite beer and then it's it's not there. Right. Um, we try to do a good job of at least rotating the beers enough that if your favorite beer is not there, it's something new that you can try. Right. And hoping that it becomes your next favorite beer until your favorite beer is back on. And I know we run a long time, so just quickly, um, the Pleasure Trip, the Everly, and the Habitual are pretty much our three flagship beers. So those are the ones that you'll see when we get out to distribution in early spring. Those will be the ones you see out there right away. Okay. Yeah, Habitual is definitely, and those are three that we were definitely brewing in the basement. and. I would say are kind of our most tried and true beers. Um, that was that recipe is all cute, so I'll let him explain it. But I think for anybody who works here or who's worked here from the beginning or tasted beers in the basement, for some reason, although it's a black IPA and some people are like I don't like bitter beers, it's most people's favorite beer. It is. It's a very very balanced beer. So yeah, that that beer was. Um, I go out to Oregon State a lot. Um, just for my um, my job and um, black ales or American black ales, what they call them now. They would call them Cascadian ales. 
Um, the black IPA is essentially, um, you know, an IPA that was that used dark roasted malt. Well, that's um, what I say. I taste like the dark. To me, with uh, I, I, I can best describe it as like your morning coffee and mixed with your orange juice because you get the citrus on the back end. So yeah. if you like grapefruit juice or like eat grapefruit in the morning for breakfast with coffee, I would like describe that flavor of eating grapefruit and drinking coffee as far as the um, habitual. Um, it's, it, it's, it has the complexity and the, the roast of a stout um, but it has the lightness and the citrus profile of an IPA. Yeah. And uh, I, I think it's a good representation of the style. Um, I'm a little biased, but um, that was a beer that we, <laughs> a beer we used to call VD in your mouth back in our, <laughs> back in our, in our homebrew days. You know, uh, VD in your mouth? Kurt, Curtis is pretty, he was very dark. He very left, dark. He kind of left that, he left that story short. You know, we talk about, I was nervous about the whole VD. You know the name Vice Michigan VD. I'm like, man, people gonna come out VD, and these guys are in VD, and here we are, new guys on the block. And then, um, you know, uh, we started playing with their name, and he sent the text, and it was like, you know, um, I'm gonna give you VD for Christmas. And I'm like, oh, that's actually pretty funny. And we're like, well, yeah, I'm gonna get VD. I'm, I'm want VD in my mouth, and you know, we, I had a shirt. We have not had a shirt. I was going to wear my shirt tonight, and. Um, we we wore a shirt to Soldier Field American Beer Classic in Soldier Field um, back in 2013. It was uh, the spring, and uh, we had a shirt that said "I Love VD," <laughs> and in the back it said "Fall of 20, uh, 2013," which yeah, we were very ambitious in yeah. our thinking. We missed that by a year. We yeah, by a year, like by a whole say. year. Like people think we just came upon the scene. Like, we started writing this business plan in twenty twelve. Right. Thinking it would be open by 2013, and we didn't open the tough late summer, you know, of 2014. Yeah. But you know, uh, it's about being patient. Yeah. You know, and, um, and that allowed us to kind of continue to brew more and perfect our recipes and gain more context in the industry, especially locally. Right. Um, and put us in a position where, um, if we opened up in 2013, we I would have lost a lot more here. Uh, I think we, we, we probably would have uh, been a lot more stressful because it was a lot more we needed to learn at that time. So. How much did you have brewed when you opened? Like, did you brew like? Oh, uh, that's a great question. Enough? So, no, no, we didn't. <laughs> we know. Now, do we think we brewed enough? Absolutely. So we brewed essentially um, when we first opened. We just had our equipment and everything installed here, so we brewed outside of here at our Finches up north. And we brew Shouts out to Finches yeah. for helping us out. 15 barrel batches uh, for six beers, if I'm not mistaken. We opened September 2nd, and by October, we had to close every Tuesday <laughs> because we needed to slow down because we were not going to have beer for the weekends. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, so. Yeah, it's, we, it's, had, it's, we got down to three beers by like mid October, and we were still troubleshooting with our equipment here. You know, it was one of the. Um, you know the highlights of um, having a startup, and you know it's Murphy's law. Things can't go wrong in business, right. and, uh, and, and Murphy was all in this place, and um, <laughs> and so we we had our issues on just trying to you know to to get our equipment to work. It was all new equipment, but it was trying to just get it to all cooperate and work right. uh, be units with one another. So we thought we had a we literally had prepared ourselves for a an eight week supply of beer 
okay. that we were running out of in three weeks. Um, very, very um, stressful for us. Um, people go, oh, that's a good problem, but it's, it was very stressful for us because, like, it's a problem. Yeah. We don't serve food, so our only right. product is beer, which means if, if I don't have beer, I don't have anything else. <laughs> I, I have no revenue, you know. And I can it's sing, tap, and dance. Yeah, but you know that no one's gonna pay. No one's gonna pay for that, you know. Uh, and we had just, you know, guaranteed this loan, you know, personally. So right. it was, it was stressful on us. It was actually right. was. But you know, so right. about the uh, the back alley. So, the, uh, so this is what I ordered uh, at the bar. And you I'm an IPA fan, so this is a double IPA, and it's called. It's back alley. Back what? Back, back alley. Oh, back alley. Yes. So, what was the name behind that? Um, it was one of those things where we talked about like the whole Mickey Finn thing, and you know, uh, you know, a lot of probably things you would not discuss what happened in the back alley. <laughs> uh, you drink enough of those double IPAs. You start talking. <laughs> Start talking, right? Yeah, right. And, and, and the the thing about this beer is one thing we've tried to do with them, all of our beers is make them very balanced and not something that's overly hoppy or overly malty. Um, and we want to bring beers that people kind of say, I was expecting one thing and I get something else. Right. So for a double IPA, most times it's very boozy, it's very malty, it's mm-hmm. kind of heavy. This is a very very light. It um, is. This is our summer IP, double IPA. Yeah. I mean, we wanted something that people can drink in the summertime, and they're gonna like, hey, I can. I, I want a high gravity beer. I want something that's really super hoppy and right. and strong, but I want to be able to drink several of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, this is our summer, you know, double IPA. This is probably the last time you'll get it for the rest of the year. Oh wow. Because um, we're heading into the fall season. Um, we'll replace that with. Um, um, cluster, um, our cluster damn near kilter, which is at, um, a, a very um, um, multi or more multi or IPA, a double IPA, and it okay. comes in around the same um, percentage, around around eight and a half percent. Um, but this is just our lighter version of our, of our double IPA. Yeah, that's what I, I noticed. Like when I uh, ordered the I- double IPA, I was like, oh wow. This- what I've had before, it's like you said, everything you described is a little heavier. Yeah, a little, a little bit more boozy, a little, little bit more. You, you drink know. two of them, like, oh, nothing done. I'm yeah, done. Yeah, I'm right. done. Yeah, so this one is super light. I mean, like, you can have three of these, maybe. 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 Well, <laughs> here's the thing about it. It's not light in, it's not light in alcohol, but it just comes across lighter in right. the profile. So it can be deceptive because you could think I'm drinking three or four of these because it doesn't taste as heavy as I drink this. Right. And then you wake up in the back alley, can not figure out what happened. Right. <laughs> <laughs> who took my Who took all my clothes? Right. And, <laughs> took my clothes. <laughs> but it's good. So uh, we we well, since this is the first episode, we kind of like went over time a little bit. Um, but uh, just edit, I, yeah. just edit. You know. Nah, we'll leave it in there. Um, but you, thank you guys uh, for having yeah. me here and let me uh, you know do this because. This is something that I was really inspired of doing, and, and I Thank wanted you. to do it. And, and I figured, you know, why not sit and talk about it, you know, and record what you talk about you well, know, and, and, and enjoy, you know, the conversation. We could have had this conversation anytime, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, it, only the four of us would have had that in our memories, you know. But now, hopefully, 
five of us will have it in the We definitely thank you for coming in and, and uh, patronizing Vice District. Oh, yeah. We definitely, definitely thank Kim uh, for coming in and, um, and all of our other um, our regular customers that we've come to know and, and, and grow with and, um, and appreciate and help supporting us and helping the craft beer movement in the South Loop. Yeah. And once you, you get really big, I just hope that you, like, you know, allow us to come back on the show, you oh, know, yes, uh, yes, in the future when you blow up. And, uh, I know, right? You know, <laughs> just, just, just give us a little plug every now and then. You know, I will, I will. Well, one thing I like, well, I, I don't know if you guys, maybe I'm sure you remember, but uh, I went to uh, Lagunitas. Uh, circus, I and I saw there. you guys. Yeah, we were there. <laughs> and, and I mean, I didn't know you guys, but I saw you have the T-shirts on. I'm like, yeah. oh, Vice is here. That's oh, that's pretty cool. You know, that's cool that they were. That's what I like about. It's not like if you wear a Budweiser shirt. I didn't mean to say them on, on air, but and you go to a Miller Light or a Miller, you know, they see you with that. It's like oh, you know, just it's controversy, you know, right. and, and it's lawsuits and stuff. But the craft brewery. Thing is a family, yeah. basically. Everybody is out. I mean, there's it's like it's like the mob, you know. It's like, like what's this? I mean, I don't mean to say yeah. describe it like that, but if the mob could get along and say there's enough money for everybody, you know. I mean, yes. But yeah, yes. we ended up at, at, at the beer circus because Kyle from Lagunitas rode his bike over this way, and he can't. I just happened to be here. We weren't open, and I was like, well, go ahead and come on in, and we had a good conversation. He's like, you know what? We're probably going to have like 10 or so smaller breweries come participate. Would you like to do so? Sure. I mean, it's like we need it. So it was, I mean, yeah. it was a great experience. It was a great exposure. And um, then, you know, some of my buddies from Mount South happened to be there as well. So I mean, it, was, it was a very cool event. And it all started because somebody rolled their bike, right. passed here, stopped in for a beer, and, you know, looked out for us. And that's exactly what. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's how I, that's how I discovered you guys. I mean, it's full circle right now, this whole conversation. I was riding my bike and I saw signs that Vice Brewery coming up soon, and I was like, "Awesome!" You know, because you know we were coming soon like a baby comes soon. Though. It was like coming yeah, soon yeah, by yeah. now. Huh? It was like like the baby on Family Guy. You know, the, the lady she had the baby for like nine episodes, nine, nine seasons. She was still exactly. pregnant. But uh, I know I know it takes a lot. It takes a lot of work because I I, I used to work for a bar that was uh, 14th of Michigan that's gone now, and uh, when they first opened. Uh, the owner told me, he was like, you know, we didn't just sh- show it up. You know, we, we've been working at this Behind for years, oh, yeah. you know, and, and permits and this and that and that and that, you know. And people don't really realize how much a dream costs, you know. It's a dream and, it, and it's something that you want to do, but then you have to bring that dream into reality, and that's what costs. And that, that's, it's patience. It's it's. it's uh, persistence, you know, and all those things that, that, that keep you going, the drive, the passion that keeps you and make that dream become reality and the real world. You like know? you say, well, that's the American the, way, you know. Yeah, that's it's the American, American dream, you know. We can, um, you can have a dream um, and if, you know, if you plan accordingly and if you have enough support and, um, and just, just, just have, you know, faith in yourself Right. Um, you can accomplish a lot of things, yeah. you know, and, and just having the courage to just push forward. You know, um, we're glad we did this. Um, we're, we're moving forward in other directions, and we know we're about to open up a production facility. Curtis mentioned 
um, you know, we'll be able to have beer out in retail and nice. uh, wholesale, and you'll be able to find, you know, if you haven't caught down, made your way down to the to the tap room, you know, um, you know, there's an opportunity for you to taste our um, our beer maybe in your neighborhood. But yeah. you know, we do encourage you to come down to the t- to tap room and see what the environment it's is. It's a whole experience because it's really is experience. It's yeah. really, you know, beer is one thing, and I and I. I, I I go to Benny's and I just like try to figure out which what beer I want just based off right. like what I, I feel like tasting. But I go places and I have an experience. Right. And we really want, I mean, I think craft beer, I think the whole craft experience, whether it's beer or, you know, distillery or, right. you know, or if you're a foodie, it's about the experience. It's, experience, it's about, yeah. you know, who you enjoy it yeah. with. And so, you know, I... I Curtis and I have talked a lot about what we really want to be, and I think we, you know, we're 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 both in agreement where you know I don't think we're truly, truly like you know consider ourselves like in the beer business, but you know we really want to create an experience. Yeah. So like this is what we really want to do. Like, we just happen to create experience, and beer is our is our is our medium right. to bring people together. Yeah. Uh, and what we really want to do is bring people together because the world is a lot smaller than what you think it is. Yeah. And we realize that in our basements. Yeah. You know. Since we're already over time, I say this really quickly because if I didn't give unsolicited advice, I wouldn't be me. Um, so I mean, I, I'm presumptuous in thinking there may be somebody listening to your podcast and wondering like how to get started or if it's worth it and those types of things. Um, and, and the reality of it is this, if somebody is thinking I'm going to go into the craft beer business because it's super hot and I'm going to scale and sell in two years, right. like, don't do it. Don't, yeah. Se- like seriously, don't do it. Um, it's not worth it if that's the case. But to your point about having a dream and being passionate about things and you know the, the legwork that goes into it, like. A simple conversation like this, and I don't mean this in a, de- in a demeaning manner, but a very simple conversation like this is what makes it all worth it, right? Yeah. To see Kim walk in with her dog and over to hear her say, hey, they knew my name before I knew this. That's what we mean, like, our motto is come as guests, leave as friends. Right. You know, like, that, yeah. that's, that's exactly. really what it is. Yeah. You know, so um, I would just say, you know, don't go out and start begging your friends and family for a ton of money because you're gonna, <laughs> they're going to get a, you know, a, a 300%, you know, return on their money in six minutes, it's not going to happen. No. You know, just um, you know, find something that you're passionate about, whether it's, you may be passionate about enjoying beer, but not wanting to brew it. Right. You know, I mean, there are plenty of things. I mean, there, there are plenty of ancillary things that you can do to be in a craft beer space besides opening a brewery. Right. I mean, you may be a welder. You may want to fabricate tanks. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever the case may be. You know, but, but, but certainly don't. I would not want people to walk away thinking, if you just, you know, raise a little bit of money in a year, you're going to, you know, make a ton of, a ton of money and pay everybody yeah. back. That's not realistic at all. It's yeah, like, it's I mean, a bad way yeah, I mean, like, like, and, and, and it's like, like, I hear you because it's like, I'm an actor and a comedian and it's basically, people see everybody on TV and they're like, oh yeah, he just wrote some jokes and they became famous. Like, no, uh, it took, it, I got bills. 10 <laughs> years, you know, 20 years for somebody to be where they're at now, you know. Sure. Uh, luckily for a lot of people start really young, you know, you see the Kevin Hart's and the, Dave Chappelle's, I mean, they've been doing this for a long time, Absolutely. you know, right. and, and, and they've been, you know, dedicated at their craft and, and they have a passion for it and they just have that drive for it. And like you said, somebody said, well, I want to be a comedian. I'm just going to write some jokes and tell jokes. Or I want to be a brewer and, and next year I'm going to be rich and blah, blah. You're not in it for the right reason. You're in it to make economic gains. When you have a passion for something, you'll never work another day in life. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. You know, so. 
and people and people don't part with their money very easily, especially not these days. So <laughs> if you think that you're just going to go into business and expect to come in and buy right. your 16 ounce beer for nine bucks because the industry's hot, right? It's yeah. not gonna happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So thank you guys for having me here, and uh, thank you, thank you, man. thank uh, you, Kim, for sitting in. <laughs> thank, thank you, you Kim. Uh, <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> Kim, Kim has to go walk that dog. Yeah, she has to walk that dog. That's what she's been telling me, like, cut the show, cut the show. My dog, I have to walk my dog. But uh, thank you guys for listening in. Uh, and I'll see you guys uh, in a little bit when I visit another brewery. And I think Vice Brewery, you can visit them at Vice District Brewing, right? Dot com. Check out their website. Uh, pretty awesome. They give you all the name, all the funny names of the beers, and and, and, and you know, uh, and even if you want to work for them, they offer uh, a space where you can fill out, uh, contact them, and, and come work for them, which I think is pretty cool. You know, you come work at a, at a brewery maybe once a week. You know, even if you could, and meet new friends, and and just be awesome and have a good time. You know, so thank you guys once again, and uh, thank, thank you, Kim, once again. Thanks for that. And uh, see you guys uh, next time. Cheers, Bye.